Do you wanna be in my gang, or my gang, or my gang? Or do you wanna be in my gang? Oh yeah! Do you wanna be in my gang, or my gang, or my gang? No! No, I can't do this. It's stupid. No, it isn't. It's clever. It's witty. No, it's not. The words don't even fit. It's embarrassing and almost certainly inappropriate. So you're just not going to do it then? Brilliant. So what are we going to do? Just sit here until the music kicks in? Well, don't you have any more ideas? Ones that, you know, don't make people think of sex offenders. Well, actually, I did have a few thoughts. Go on, then. Let's hear them. Uh, right. The Gangers of New York. American-born natives and Irish immigrants beat each other up in the 19th century using fleshy meat puppets that dissolve into soup when they die. Whoopsie-daisy! I drink your milkshake! I think you're mixing up your Daniel Day-Lewis films. Drink it right up! Chris! Fine. Next idea. Wolfganger Amadeus Mozart. Genius musician, child prodigy, lunatic, face like a melted candle. It's just so contrived. Okay, how about this? Calling the gangers. No. Press gangers. Stupid. The Gangerjees River. That's offensive. Chain gangers. That makes no sense. Chitty chitty bang gang. Us. No. Ging ganger, gooly 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 watcher, ginger ganger goo, ginger ganger goo. You're an idiot. West Side Story. What? It has gangs in it. You're really scraping the bottom of the barrel now. No, look. Two rival factions and unlikely romance blossoms between a pair of lovers on either side of the divide. It's perfect. You may actually have something there. Tonight, tonight, won't be just any night. Tonight I'll grow you out of some goo. And now you've lost me again. Fine. Shall we just wait here in silence till the theme music kicks in? Fine. Oh, here it is. Hello and welcome to this week's Oodcast, which is Series 3, Episode 19. Amazing. Um, with me this week, I'm Chris Alpha, by the way. Hello. Uh, with me this week, um, over there, is Andrew <laughs> Candish. Hello. And over there is Chris Sigma. Hello, I'm over here. And somewhere out there is Laura Simpson. Um, we miss you, Laura. Where are you? Yeah, where is she? She's at home doing wedding things. Cooking the dinner? <laughs> no. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> oh dear. The look of disgust on Sigma's face was quite palpable. She'll be doing something Laura-like, which is, I don't know, reading a dictionary. She'll Hooray. probably be reading a German dictionary or, or something. Or playing that flu- f- fruit slicing game while she's supposed to be looking at wedding dresses or something. Her favourite game at the moment is Plants vs. Zombies. I don't know. You have to plant different kinds of vegetation each of which have a different defensive kind of mechanism and then zombies wander across your lawn and and the plants stop them if you have placed them right 
Like Venus right. flytraps, that kind of thing. Yeah, Venus yeah. flytraps, things that fire spikes and thorns. <laughs> so it's a bit yeah. like Gardener's Question Time meets Lemmings. It's more like Gardener's Question Time meets Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, it's quite a good little application if you have an iPhone or an iPad. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> cool. Anyway, from from stereotype to strange things, uh, let's move straight into the Oodcast News. Oodcast News. Hello, Hello and, and welcome, welcome to, to the Oodcast News. News. Hello, Hello and welcome, welcome to. T- Are you, you just going to say, say the same, same things, things I, say? I say? What am what I going to say, say next? Bike, Bike tadpole, tadpole, lamp, lamp tractor, tractor, Jacob. Jacob Prime Minister David Cameron has suggested that the Doctor Who design team bid for a contract under the new NHS rules to build maternity units like the ones seen at the end of The Almost People. Midwives were up in arms this week and said they would be in talks with Slovene to take advice on how to destroy 10 Downing Street. Because I was sort of right last week about a big plot twist, I am going to make some further predictions. The entire history of Doctor Who will be revealed to have been imagined by Amy, who turns out to be the Doctor. The Cult of Scarrow has written a badly spelt letter of complaint to the BBC this week about their lack of involvement in the current series. Producers replied that as the current series hasn't yet finished, maybe the tin-bladed psychopaths should keep their sink plungers to themselves. And finally... The big cliffhanger at the end of A Good Man Goes to War will reveal the murker as the series villain, sat in a big chair, stroking a cat, and saying, So, we meet again, Doctor. Broadcast News. Right. So, the almost people. What did we think? Anyone want to go first? I thought it was thoughtful, cerebral, provoking, sparkling dialogue, particularly between the two Doctors, and the Jelly Baby bit stands out for me as oh, the standout moment. Did Tom Baker record those lines for the series? No, it's lifted from Robots of Death. Oh, right. Well, now that's a fan. I'll tell you why I know that. It's because it's in Doctor Who Confidential. Right, okay. Yeah, I, it was way better than last week's. Uh, I, I, it was a good episode. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I still I didn't think any of the dialogue reached the heights of Moff or Game, and I thought it was quite a workmanlike one in terms of its script. Um, but it was great fun. It was really... Uh, I, there were character points in it that I loved, mm. and the thing I loved most was the Doctor's reaction to having a ganger. He was written as a superior intellect. You know, he can cope with that idea. There wasn't any kind of arrogance about it or any kind of, what about me? Does this diminish me as a person because there's another one? He was able to handle that fact and accept it instantly, which I thought was beautiful. Um, So that was a brilliant uh, characterization of the Doctor in this one. Mm. He can deal with stuff that humans just can't deal with. He, he, He understood it. Yeah, he's me too. Um, and that's fine, you know, we'll work together. This is a brilliant thing. And uh, I thought that was a breathtaking bit of writing because it could have so easily become, ooh, is he the evil doctor? Mm, and Amy yeah. reacted that way, but the doctor knew straight away. That and of was course, one of my favourite things about it, actually, with, with the whole shoe-swapping thing, 
when you when I thought back over the episode, that means basically the ganger doctor was asking Amy to trust the real doctor, and the 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 way that had been worked in and swapped over and just the 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 way the two doctors reacted was perfect, and that also means that Amy's now told him mm. that yep. they've seen his death. It seems to have been the ganger doctor that has come up with that plan. Mm. So this massive mm. intellect suddenly downloaded yeah. into this new body. And mm. It's like, right, can we trust me? I don't know. Here's a plan to find out whether we can trust me because I might be fooling myself. Yes. Who knows? You know, it's this incredible way the doctor's mind works that no one else could have come up with, mm. which I thought was brilliant. I did like very much the uh, dialogue between the two doctors because what we see coming out is the vanity of the doctor's character, which I've not, I've not really seen it quite so... Um, explicitly before in Matt Smith's performance or indeed very many doctors performances mm. he goes oh, it's just so inspiring to hear me say it and the other one sort of almost mouths with a huge grin on his face I know <laughs> hello doctor hello doctor how wonderful what is what is what wonderful what what is wonderful you just gorgeous well thank you thank you doctor Oh, any time at all, Doctor. Is that a new bow tie? It is. What do you think? Oh, it's very dashing. Very distinctive. I've always said bow ties are rubbish. No, the other one rhymes with school. Cool. Exactly. Well, Doctor, what should we talk about? Oh, something I rarely like to mention out loud, I reckon. Romana told me never to speak about that. We were drunk and there were two of her. No, 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 not that. The other thing. Oh? Something that everyone else realises too, but I don't like to talk about much. Apart from the charity work, you mean? Exactly. An inescapable truth. I'm with you. Have I told me lately how marvellous I am? Not for at least 12 hours, I don't think. Oh, I must be slipping. I beg my pardon. I am forgiven. After all, I did just save the world again. Tch! Humans. I am remarkable, aren't I? Yes, Doctor, I am. And it's so nice to have someone else to finish my... Bagpipes? What? Bagpipes? Bagpipes? That doesn't even make sense. Why would I be finishing bagpipes? I've no idea. It does seem a little bit odd, doesn't it? Perhaps I know something you don't. I doubt it. Well said. So, day off. What shall I do? I don't get a day to myself very often, do I? No, I don't. This is an exceptional day for me. One of many. Remember that evening with Galileo? Oh, and his ridiculous theory that the world was round? He was right. Of course he was. But remember the face on the Pope when he told him? Oh, I remember well. His holiness, he said, You're no more likely to fall off the edge of the world than design a self-propelling carriage. Oh, the laughs I've had. And that evening with Richard III. Remember that? With the poker game, I never thought he'd bet his kingdom for a horse. May have been a mistake taking Shakespeare along on that occasion. Am I kidding? He loved it. Turned it into a play and everything. That's what I meant. Oh, I see. I thought it was quite a good play, though. Miles better than that other one. Much ado about bagpipes. Exactly. I loved, broadly loved the episode. I thought it was incredibly clever and it was well, well done. Very well done. But there was one line that made me cringe and made me want to, to, to walk away. Which was? Which was the, but which of us is the real monster here? <laughs> which I thought, okay, that's very clever as an unspoken theme of the episode. But to say it out loud is sort of clumsy in the extreme, I think. Mm. Um, there were other nice little bits like um, Cleve saying, uh, the gang of Cleve saying, beware of imitations. And um, 
And then, oh yeah, it's the doctor, it's the doctor again. Well, if I do come back, I'll know because if you come back and steal all my biscuits. <laughs> I don't know, there was a pace to this episode, which last week didn't really have. Mm. Um, there was a depth and a thoughtfulness to it. Um, all the way through, I was being challenged. What, what's real? Who should you trust? What constitutes being human? Um, and of course, that is a a theme, which is very important. You know, I suppose on a broader level, you know, it's that kind of where does racism begin? Uh, would you trust aliens if they arrived on Earth? Would uh, you know where does humanity stop? Who is is the real monsters here? (laughs) Welcome back to Which of Us is the Real Monster? With your host, Clumsy Moral Dilemma. Hey, our next contestant is Arnold from Macclesfield. Hello. Hey, Arnold. Lovely to have you here. Well, we're running out of time here, so we'll get straight into the quiz. Are you ready with question number one? I am clumsy. Great. I am. Great. Go on, then. Okay. If we were to spend the evening at home with a bottle of wine and a DVD, which film would you want to watch with me? Oh, great question, then. Who would you like to answer that first? Uh, I think uh, contestant one. Well, as long as it was a decent wine, you know, no rosé or anything, I'd be happy to watch whatever you want. I'd love to show you a classic, though. Something like Jurassic Park 3. Right. Thanks, number one. Number two, uh, same question to you. Well, I think I'd go for something a bit more romantic. Um, Grease is pretty good, maybe that. And contestant three, what movie would you want to watch? Wow. I think that may have been the best answer we have ever had on the show. Still, have you got a second question? Uh, I have. Contestant one. I come home from a really horrible day at work. What do you do to cheer me up? Oh, that's an easy one. Beer at the local, kebab from the manky place on the way home, bit of vomit, job done. If that doesn't cheer you up, not sure what will. Okay, number two. Well, I'd give you a hug to start with. Then I'd cook your favourite meal and dig out DVDs of Genesis of the Daleks to cheer you up. Ah, that's lovely. And number three. (laughs) Well, Arnold, goodness knows how you're going to make a choice here, but with some amazing answers, but I think it's time I ask you the question that earned the show its name. Are you ready? I'm ready, Clumsy, I think. Well then, Arnold, for the top prize, which of us is the real monster? I think it's... Number one. What? Off? Oh, Arnold, I'm afraid you're nearly right, but completely wrong too. It was number two, wasn't it? I knew she was too good to be true. Yeah! Can we talk about Amy's ganger? You you really want to? I was nearly right, wasn't I, last week? Sort of, a bit, kind of. You were right in that there was (laughs) a ganger who was Amy's ganger. Thanks. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you do. You start off with a grand statement and then just retreat into your right. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I nearly got the big plot twist of the first half of the series, and you guys are like, 
yeah, you, you sort of a bit got it. And I'm like, but I said there was a gagarami. You said some sentences which had words in, <laughs> which if you were arranged in a different order, would have been the twist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's listen to what I actually said. I had an idea last night. Is the um, M- is the Schrodinger's embryo all because there's a ganger Amy out there and the TARDIS can't work out which one it's meant to be scanning and it's scanning the ganger Amy that is pregnant, whereas the original Amy isn't pregnant. You think the TARDIS would be able to work out that the Doctor means the one that's standing in the TARDIS, not yeah, the one well, somewhere maybe, else? Maybe, mm. or maybe not. So it was kind of, you know, there was... Yeah, I'm pretty Your idea is pretty crazy compared to the actual <laughs> idea. <laughs> and that's that's sort of out there. I, I, I'm mostly interested in how she got into that situation. Mm, yes. Not the pregnancy. No. Um, Are you not? Well, I'm fairly interested in that. But um, what I'm really interested in is how long have we had Ganger Amy yeah. for? Mm. Now, we saw the uh, eye patch lady in episode two, didn't mm, we? Yes. In the madhouse. That's the first time we see her. So it must be before then. Because um, the the time the obvious time would have been when she's kidnapped, but that's after yeah, that point. So it can't be then. Um, so I I mean my best bet it would be quite glorious, I guess, if she's been that way ever since we saw her in the police uniform right at the beginning mm. of the last series. I think that's possible because Stephen Moffat has said in an interview that there will be something that happened in the eleventh hour that's been staring us in the face, but we haven't realised. There is one thing that I've seen kind of discussed since, and it did annoy me at the time, but having thought about it for a bit longer and watched the episode again, I'm, I'm, I think it's premature to get cross about, which is the fact that the Doctor tells, well, basically wins the humans over by explaining that the flesh has as much right to live as, as they do. They are fully human. And once they step into the TARDIS, they, they are stabilised as humans. And yet he then kills the ganger Amy, or dissolves mm. the ganger Amy. I um, think there's more to it than we realise. Well, I think he makes it quite clear there's much more to that, because he says something about breaking the signal. Mm. And he also says um, that he wanted to go back to where they had just been to find out where it all began. So to get cross about that is getting cross without knowing most of the story. I yeah, think. I don't think it's the same thing. The the gangers that become human have been hit by lightning and transformed, given sentience and able to walk yeah. around without a controller. Yeah. Amy's yeah. one has been being controlled by Amy the whole time. So, I mean, it has the potential to have life like Moss, but it hasn't got there yet. I don't think... I think we've all swatted a housefly before. I don't think it's much yeah. more than that. It's certainly not the same as killing one of the gangers once they become sentient. It's not the same thing at all. And, and I think that's in, an incredibly... If, if it's not anything like that, and if he has just viciously murdered something, that's completely not really in mm. character. For but it's interesting what you say, Chris Sigma, about um, the gangers in The Almost People uh, were sentient. But they make the point that they are forever being decommissioned. They're forever being murdered. So from their point of view... Cutting the signal to the Amy ganger is is killing it. But they don't remember it. She goes... Yeah. They, they feel it or something at a certain level. Yeah. A sort of a base level. But that seems to be more like a, a race memory, a kind mm. of a collective unconscious recollection. But it's what drove yeah. the Jennifer ganger, wasn't it? Was this sense of, of injustice, which was the whole reason why the gangers go to war.
It is 6am. The mining plant is quiet. Most of the residents are asleep, but below, in the room next to the thermal controls, someone is already up and about. So many people think that the hours of 1 to 6am are downtime for the plant. And maybe they are, really, but for us, it's the best time of all. Less noise and agitation. Just right for getting a bit of contemplation done. Beryl is one of the many discarded gangers who roam the lower levels of the plant. I wouldn't really call what we do roaming. It's more like, you know, uh, lying. It's very difficult to move. So what do you do all day? Well, when we hear the alarms ringing upstairs, we usually sort of shuffle a little and focus our eyes on that wall over there. And how long do you do that for? Oh, usually just until lunchtime. And then what? Or by that time, we're ready for a change of scenery. So we shuffle a little more and focus on that other wall. It seems like a rather lonely life. Oh, it's not without charms. I mean, once every few days there's an accident with that acid stuff and we get to meet someone new. I see, but that still doesn't seem much to do. Not to you, maybe. But sometimes, maybe near Christmas, whenever that is, we get a lot more added to the pile. Christmas parties always mean presents for us. And there is still the odd time when someone comes to stare at us for a while. I mean, they're either drunk, angry or sad, and so we can still get some pleasure at being able to produce an emotional reaction out of someone living, even if we can only scream mindlessly now. But things are about to change for Beryl and friends. A new law has just been passed following an impassioned plea from a former plant foreman. Yes, I heard about that. Bloody humans. Always interfering. They're at least at three patches on the left wall. I haven't finished studying yet. And yet, the kindness of gaining a new humanity looks like denying Beryl that one last simple pleasure. I don't know what I'll do without my wall. Probably get a job and a family, I expect. It's what's so rich about the episode, is those themes are very cleverly brought in. Mm. That You know, human beings are capable of terrible stuff. Gangers are capable of terrible stuff so where do you draw the line but gangers are, ter- are capable of terrible stuff because humans are te- ca- yeah. capable um, it, it's it's a, a self feeding and the doctor's nice line towards the end just before they go into the big corporation place he says deep down in their bones humans are good oh that's oh, nice. nice I feel a bit sad that Laura isn't here so mm. I thought I'd make a comment as Laura in the way that her mind works, or how I imagine her mind works. Ready? Yeah. Uh, do you think that when the doctor took off at the end and the gangy, gangery thingy, uh, they get go back to goo? Do you think his shoes go back to goo? Hmm? <laughs> Good point. Oh my word! Yes, they would, wouldn't they? Well, maybe the TARDIS stabilised them, but there's a chance, isn't well, there? Yeah. Well, yeah, the TARDIS would have done. It'd be great if he looked down and there was just sort of Yorkshire pudding mix. They should have done that. <laughs> there must be uh, an infinite supply of, of sonic screwdrivers, though, must there not? Well, it can build new ones. We know. I this. know. Well, if he had it in his pocket when the gang was was created, the gang would have had everything that was in his pocket. No, I think the ganger creates organic stuff. The TARDIS creates those. Sonic screwdrivers internally, so maybe that is an organic thing. That's why it's so special. <gasps> oh, that's good. I like it, Chris. I like that too. Yeah, um, that's very good. Oh, you're way. good. So the doctor now knows about his forthcoming death, right? Yes. Yes. Therefore, that's going to have some impact. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, uh, that's a good prediction, isn't it? Yes. Okay. A further prediction. 
in A Good Man Goes to War, I reckon it's Rory that goes to war because he's going to war over Amy to find Amy, right? And he dies at the end. He's the good man who dies. I mean, it's a possibility, but I've definitely heard Stephen Moffat talk about what would happen if the Doctor really got pushed to the edge. Mm. This incredible uh, being with with the powers and the intellect that he has, what would happen if he really wanted something dead? So overall, what do we think? Is it come back, Matthew Graham, you've, we've forgiven you, fear her? I still love Fear Her. I don't <laughs> care what anyone says. I think Fear Her is excellent. And yes, I'd have Matthew Graham back for more. I Yeah, this I, I didn't care for the first episode. I thought the second one absolutely redeemed it. If you put them together as one story, then I would go, yeah, that is a really, really well-told story. And I, I thoroughly agree with both of you, I think. Um, shall I finish with the, hi- with, with, with the haiku for this? Oh, week? Yeah. oh yes, please. Yeah. Okay, the almost people. At war with themselves, survivors saved, one doc melts, Amy's giving birth. Clever. clever. It's true. Yeah, it's yeah. Clever and true. Um, a quick thing before we go this week. Uh, I think last week I started a discussion on the differences between Stephen Moffat and Russell T. Davis. Yeah. And I think during it, uh, we've got a bit of feedback from Twitter uh, over the week. People seem to think that what we thought was that... Essentially, RTD is for people who are brainless and Stephen Moffat are for people who are intelligent. And that really, really, really isn't what I think at all. We weren't on the air when Russell T. Davis was doing Who. But I think I can speak for all of us when I say that he was, we think he's a brilliant writer Mm, and is an absolute hero for what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, If we oversimplified things and it came across that way, then... I uh, just want to say that that is not true. What what I was trying to say was that um, Doctor Who, I think, now is remarkably more intelligent than most of the other TV that is on at the same time as it, rather than it is more intelligent than it was before. I don't mean that in the slightest. Um, I, I like Stephen Moffat. I like Russell T. Davis. Um, I, I have no argument against Russell T. Davis. I don't, I, I, I don't want to make that argument. And mm. the fact that he brought it back from nothing mm. and created this thing that became the BBC's flagship show is something that can never be taken away from him. And we should all be incredibly grateful that it was him that got the keys to the TARDIS. So, yes, there we are, Twitter. We hope that uh, makes things a little bit clearer. So I guess that's it for this week, then. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, well, it, it's goodbye from Andrew. Oh, yeah. Bye. It's goodbye from Chris Sigma. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, Hope to see you back here next week because we hope to create a last episode of our podcast, which is as memorable and brilliant as I'm sure the episode itself will be. And um, goodbye from me, Chris Alpha. Goodbye. Yeah.
that they make it with is has urine involved in it. And urine is organic, isn't it? Hmm? Thanks, Laura. Thanks for that, Laura. <laughs> 